Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Off the Red Carpet. I'm George Pinocchio, and today we are talking all about summer movies. I know that officially it's not summer yet, but you know, at the box office, summer is already underway. It seems to get earlier every year. And I thought we need to have someone in here who really follows everything and every movie that's opening this summer. I'm talking about the big tentpole blockbusters and the sequels and maybe a few little gems that we see along the way during a crazy summer of movies. So joining me today is a Tomato Meter approved critic. Her name is Debbie Lynn Elias. Um, she's a member of the Los Angeles Online Critics Society. She also has her show Behind the Lens Radio on Twitter. On Facebook, you'll find her at Behind the Lens. On Twitter, she is Movie Shark D. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that if you're looking for someone who knows all about movies, these are the various places you will find Debbie Lynn Elias. And right now, you will find her in our Off the Red Carpet studio. Debbie, welcome! Well, thank you so much, George. My God, an intro like that. I got a lot to live up to here. Well, I'm telling you, of all the people I know in this business, I do believe <laughs> you and Leonard Malton watch more movies than anybody else i average uh no less than a thousand a year <laughs> that's just and i've been nuts. a working critic for 32 years now and i should say that when we talk about the movies you watch we're talking about big screen movies tv movies um those hallmark and lifetime movies you'll also watch you're doing direct to dvd um things that stream you are on every platform of the movie watching world and let's not forget festivals Yes. The small, the, the festivals, uh, L.A. Film Festival used to be my baby until Film Independent has now stopped that. They're going to put something else in. But upcoming here in L.A. is Dances with Films in its 22nd year now. And I'm already picking up films for that festival, and some of them are fabulous, one of which I've already filled you in on. Well, some of the films that you see never see the light of day, so you put a lot of extra work in, and yeah. maybe sometimes a couple years later they appear, and you'll say, I remember that. So let's begin. We, we have Aladdin. That's the one that's now new, and this is a Disney film. It's a remake of the 1992 animated film. Are you liking Aladdin? Well, what I am loving about Aladdin is a monkey, a tiger, a magic carpet, and a jiggy genie. <laughs> uh, the monkey, Abu, who, is trans who comes over from the animated version, is adorable. Raja the tiger, who belongs to Princess Jasmine. The real winning element, and besides Will Smith, who brings his hip-hop brand and makes genie a jiggy genie, is the magic carpet. The visual effects that transform and anthropomorphize the carpet you really feel like this is a cuddly character that you want. Aww. And that's one of those are some, the endearing parts of this film. The music, of course, Alan Menken, you can do no wrong with Menken's music. And there is a new song, a female empowerment song, Speechless, that uh, Princess Jasmine sings. So they have freshened up the film from the animated cartoon. Um, it's enjoyable. Your production design, Gemma Jackson's production design, is beautiful. And it's the whole family can see it. That's one of the great things about this film. There aren't too many films this summer that you can take the entire family. Right. Now, did does this movie need critic approval, or did people already make up their minds when they heard it was going to be live action? I think people have already made up their minds about all of the Disney live action since... 
Disney's going through its vast library. We saw it with Dumbo. And even though it didn't do as well as expected, it's still an exquisitely made movie. And the audiences came. Little kids, not so much. It was too scary for little kids. It was too scary for little kids. But we've got Lion King coming out in July the 19th. Thank you, Disney. You are once again giving me a birthday present of a movie. (laughs) There are people who think that the Lion King could topple Avengers Endgame by the end of the year and be the number one film of the year. I think that's going to be a hard feat. I think that's a virtual impossibility. (laughs) I think it's going to do really well. One of the interesting things, though, with Jon Favreau bringing The Lion King to life after he did so beautifully with The Jungle Book, what I'm afraid of, and a lot of actors that I talk to are concerned about this, is this is now so lifelike, this new technology bringing all of these animals to life so that they look real, mm-hmm. that they're going to be replacing actors with virtual actors. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, especially as more of the animated films become, quote unquote, live action. How, I don't think I'd really classify the Lion King as live action since it's all... Right. Now, the um, people of Fandango say that Aladdin is the number three ranked anticipated family film of the summer. The Lion King is number one, but the most anticipated comedy is Booksmart. I saw Booksmart the other night, and I've got to say, Olivia Wilde, her directing debut, you can tell she brings all of her experience as an actor to the forefront with directing Booksmart. It is witty, it is funny, it is raucous. There are moments that are very ribald, uh, but it is a good time from beginning to end. And tell people what it's about. It is basically these uh, two girls that um, uh, Amy and Molly, played by uh, Caitlin Deaver, who was fabulous, and, and Beanie Feldstein, who we're really seeing for the first time here. And they're getting ready to graduate high school. They have spent their whole lives. We don't party. We don't do this. We don't engage. We just concentrate on our books <laughs> Uh-oh. because we're getting straight A's and we're going to Yale and this is who we are. And then it comes down to the wire and they find out that all of these other people who have been partying and having a good time and socializing, they're also getting into good schools like Yale and Stanford and Harvard. <laughs> uh, so then they decide, well, We've got a party. It's our last night of high school. We've got a party. But the thing is, they have been so far on the outside, they can't, they can't even get the address to where the, the big party. They don't know how to party. They don't know how to party. <laughs> but as we see in the film, they quickly learn. And I have to say, one of the real standout performances in this film comes from Billy Lord, who, of oh, course, Carrie Fisher's daughter. Carrie Fisher's daughter. And as I was watching and watching Billy's performance as a character of Gigi, um, shades of her mother back in her mother's younger days, back in the 70s, and when, when Carrie was partying and out, um, you really see that come to life on the screen. So that, to me, was a big touchstone. But the film, it is. It is smart. It's funny. And it is a must-see. But again, because of language, because of more adult situations that arise. Leave the little ones at home. Leave the little ones at home, even the preteens. Okay. 
Uh, that's good advice. Even the people pre-teens. ask me that all the time. Let's get to the end of May. There are three movies that are going to be opening in theaters, and two of them are um, sp- um, are the number two and three most anticipated summer blockbusters according to Fandango. That would be Godzilla and Rocket Man. Rocket Man being number two, Godzilla being number three, and then there's an uh, Octavia Spencer film called Ma, which has gotten some attention. I don't know how Ma survives sometimes when you see these other two movies that are so highly anticipated. Maybe alternate audiences. Maybe there's room for everybody, but that's a very crowded weekend. Godzilla, what do you think? Godzilla, I have not seen. Um, They did do the junket over the weekend. I spoke with several people. I was busy talking to Ron Howard about Pavarotti, which we have to talk about. Right. Um, But I am not getting good feedback at all. I've heard that too. Um, So I don't know. And what I have seen in terms of clips and trailers, I really question the visual effects and the cinematography um, because it looks very murky. And when you have these incredible monsters that are being brought to life, Rodan and Mothra, who has always been one of my favorites when you go back to the, to the black and white Japanese film, monster films, I don't, I'm not getting a vibe that they're really being given their due. I did talk to a couple of people about Godzilla, and they did say that it was dark. So sometimes when you're seeing the fighting going on, it's just too dark to really see. So that's we'll see what happens there. But maybe it'll open strong and peter out. Or maybe, again, this is another critic-proof movie that it, it doesn't matter what the people say because people want their Godzilla. They want their Godzilla. I mean, I want my Godzilla, but I really think I prefer the original the original black and white campy versions. Taron Edgerton playing Elton John and Rocket oh. Man, and uh, is and it's going to be interesting to see will some of the thunder of last year's winner, um, having played Freddie Mercury, take a little of the of the pizzazz away from Taron. But right now, there's early buzz for this guy that may last throughout the year. Well, last year I saw Bohemian Rhapsody at the very first LA screening, and I walked out. I emailed Fox and said, "Hand." Hand Rami the Oscar now. Rami Malek. And I stood by that all year. I walked out of Rocket Man the other night, and that's exactly what I said about <laughs> Taron. Hand Taron the Oscar now. He is phenomenal. The film is so well done. Dexter Fletcher, who directs it, and of course anybody that follows films knows that Dexter came in on Bohemian Rhapsody and picked up after Brian Singer was let go. Um does a wonderful job. Many of the parts are fantasy, almost like a rock opera, uh, which plays really well given Elton's flamboyant life. But there's also the warts and all part of his life that he lets you see. That's just it. And I think that's one of the great things because his husband, David Furnish, is a producer on the film. And there is, it's no holds barred. There is everything in this film. And I give Elton so much credit for that. But I also have to throw in there, Julian Day does the costumes. He also did the costumes for Bohemian Rhapsody. He was overlooked for an Oscar nomination. The Academy cannot overlook him this year. Okay. Debbie, you've been throwing out some names here, and I want people to know who are listening right now that you are really a scholar of people who work behind the scenes, and nobody interviews more people that are working behind the scenes than you do. So I think that that's a niche niche that you have, that if people are interested in that, they can certainly find you on Twitter or Facebook yeah, or read they, your Rotten Tomato reviews. They can go to, and for my interviews, they can go uh, directly to my website, behindthelensonline.net, 
and read the interviews, hear the interviews, or listen to my weekly radio show on AdrenalineRadio.com. See, you're all over the place, as I said, and also, <laughs> you, you your interviews are often substantial. Substantial. You don't talk to, for three or four minutes. You sometimes talk to people for an hour. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about Ma and Octavia Spencer. Well... Come on. Number one, it's Octavia. She's reteaming with Tate Taylor. Um, this is a pairing that has lasted decades in the industry. Tate right. Taylor, of course, directed The Help. Mm-hmm. And he is, and I have to tell anybody that has never met Tate that doesn't know Tate, he is, in every sense of the word, a true Southern gentleman. And he and Octavia have this incredible chemistry and working relationship. I am excited to see this. I'm actually seeing it uh Tuesday night after Memorial Day. So I uh, mean, you're giving yourself a day off. Well, no, I'm I have screening <laughs> links. I have I have 47 screening links at home to watch over Memorial Weekend. Oh, no, no. So. All right. Let's get to June 7th. I'm going to let you pick one movie to talk about. Here's what's ooh. opening. The Secret Life of Pets 2, X-Men Dark Phoenix, The Last Black Man in San Francisco is limited, along with Late Night being limited, and this one's for the ladies limited. What is the one that you think um, you're most excited about? Well, you've also got two other little ones that are popping out there. Katie Says Goodbye is also on June 7th, starring Olivia Cook. Uh, that's from director Wayne Roberts. And that looks adorable. I just got the link for that. So I'll have to let you know. And then the documentary Framing John DeLorean. It is a blend of archival footage of John DeLorean uh, and his life and also dramatizations with Alec Baldwin playing John DeLorean. Oh, nice. And I've seen it. It is fascinating. And you think that Alec Baldwin does a good Trump? Wait do you see him do John DeLorean. Do we need another X-Men right now? No. But what we do need on June 7th is Pavarotti and Ron Howard. That's opening, too. See, you get all the details. Pavar- we both interviewed Ron Howard for Pavarotti. Yes, we did. I will tell you that I was so impressed with this documentary. I don't <sighs> think it matters if you like opera. I think sometimes Shakespeare and opera both scare people and scare audiences, and they don't think they're going to necessarily like it. But when it comes to... Pavarotti, Luciano Pavarotti, uh, I think that this is just a great character study, and I learn about this man and his passion. Oh, it's amazing to watch it. I mean, the word for the film is bellissimo. Um, But a real standout here is Ron's attention to detail and working with his sound mixer, Chris Jenkins. Chris also did the sound mixing on Ron's documentary on the Beatles. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. does an amazing job. They chose to do this in Dolby Atmos, which is why it's going to be playing limited because they're trying to pl- to have it screen and release only in theaters that have Dolby Atmos. You really want to hear this film in Dolby Atmos. Um, the singing is amazing. The singing is amazing. And the way the film is structured, it's structured like a three-act opera. And then what they have done that adds even more and really lets you get into this character study of the man in picking the aria selections and playing them, they're mad. Ron painstakingly has songs, the arias matching up to specific moments in Pavarotti's life. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily at the same time when he performed them, but his life played out like so many of the RAs that he performed. And his life is not what I expected. There are Ooh. some surprises along the way. 
And it's interesting to see the resolution that we get as the film goes on. We won't say anything more about that. No, we're going to see it. We're gonna, yes, I agree. See that. <laughs> on June 14th, I think the big movie opening is Men in Black International Shaft. Oh, no. Men in Black International. Shaft okay. is the other one. That's bringing back our, our pal um, Samuel L. Jackson. Well, it's actually, what's great about Shaft, and Tim Story directs it. I love Tim Story. Tim Story is really great with comedies. He did Think Like a Man with Kevin Hart, Think Like a Man 2. Um, Tim always puts a fun take on things, so I'm curious to see what he does with Shaft. But... We've got three generations of Shaft here. Richard Roundtree, Samuel L., and Jesse Usher. All three are in it. All three are in it to help the younger member of the family discover the truth behind his best friend's death. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Men in Black International. I mean, we know this franchise from Will Smith days. And we Tommy get, Lee Jones. And we get to see Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, Thor and Valkyrie team up here <laughs> so you can't i don't think you can go wrong with that now there's also another little gem on the 14th with jim gaffigan it had its world premiere at la film festival in september it is and miranda bailey a known producer and actress miranda makes her directing de- feature debut with this film it was called you can choose your family it's been cha- the name has been changed to being frank it was one of my must-see festival films at LAFF in September, and it got picked up right out of the festival. And now it's coming out on June 14th. So it is a little gem, and Jim Gaffigan is hilarious. I think Jim Gaffigan is really multi-talented, oh. and we saw that in um, the movie Chappaquiddick, yep. that he has a dramatic side. He can make you laugh uh, so easily, but I, I like seeing his dramatic um, star rise so that's June 14th we could talk we could be here all day talking about every movie we can't do all that yeah. but we, w- <laughs> we could. maybe you could uh, look on June 21st we have Anna Child's Play Toy Story 4 uh, Them That Follow there's, what else? O- there's only one movie that counts on June 21 would that be Toy Story 4 absolutely Tom Hanks is back uh, Tim Allen is back um, a lot of the voices that we've known from the past are back Don Ratzenberger in every Pixar every film. Pixar film much like Hector Elizondo actually Gary Marshall, Marshall Gary Marshall had it written into contracts that Hector would be in every film that he did Isn't that amazing um, but what's great about Toy Story 4 what I'm looking forward to the most the new character Forky 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 there was a new, the final trailer just came out with with some clips and and Forky's in it and I am already enamored with Forky. See, they like to keep us in a little bit in the dark on these Disney Pixar movies. It's like a scandal or something where you can't divulge anything because we, they don't want anything spoiled for us. So there'll probably be other characters that we see when we go to see the film. I'm going to Orlando to screen this and do the interviews uh, at Disney World with Tom Hanks and Tim Allen and some of the other stars. So that's one to definitely look forward to. We're going to scare people, I think, on June 28th when Annabelle comes home. Well, isn't that that's coming out on the 26th. It's actually a Wednesday release. Oh, it is? Yes. They decide, they're doing that as a Wednesday release, I think, to take advantage of the, you know, entering into the 4th of July. But opening on the 28th, though, Yesterday. Yesterday, which the trailers for yesterday are so good. Oh, George. Um, Richard Curtis, the writer, he responsible for Notting Hill with Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts. And then Danny Boyle, of course, 
Yeah, we love Danny Boyle from Train Spotting and uh, Slumdog Millionaire, Sunshine. Uh, yes, Danny Boyle. Danny I lo- Boyle loves movies, and he's not Danny. afraid to take a chance. And he loves, and he diversifies every film. He does something different. Well, yesterday is different. It's about a guy who becomes a kind of a musical superstar, singing all these Beatles songs. But somehow, in this world, no one has ever heard of the Beatles, <laughs> so, so they don't uh, exist. So clearly. Even if the Beatles don't exist, their songs skyrocket anybody who sings them. <laughs> a testament to Lennon and McCartney, obviously. Right. We get into the um, July 4th weekend, and I think really the big movie there, we're looking at Spider-Man Far From Home. This is considered the number one Fandango movie to see this summer. These films have always done well, yep. back from the Tobey Maguire days. What is it, do you think, about Spider-Man that we just want to see every time he appears on you screen? You know, I don't know, and I'm one of those who's never been a big Spider-Man fan, but Tom Holland has endeared himself to me playing Spider-Man thanks to the Avenger movies. Oh, you got a little take, and now you like the... And and after seeing him, you know, they build him up and build him up, and then with Avengers Endgame, we saw more of him, and we got to see a dramatic part with Infinity War. So I really want to see where this character goes now in the new trajectory. So we expect that Spider-Man Far From Home will be really leading the way um, for the next several weeks once that, well, next couple of weeks. I really, yeah. And of course, Samuel L. Jackson is there. So Nick Fury is going to be there. Who doesn't want to see Nick Fury? Sam Jackson's going to be all over the box office as he is constantly all year. (laughs) On the 12th of July, 21 Bridges, Crawl, and Stuber are the three films that um, get bold-faced that are not being released limited. Are any of those anything that you want people to know about? I'm interested in Crawl. I love the trailers. I'm fascinated by it. Plus, Barry Pepper is in it. I will see Barry Pepper in anything. Um, And, of course, I love the director, Alexander Asia. He did Horns with Daniel Radcliffe and Juno Temple. Okay. So he knows. And I I love, and he did Piranha 3D, which, okay, it's entertaining. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But I'm really curious about Crawl. I want to see that. I also want to see a little indie that's coming out, The Sword of Trust. Lynn Shelton, who did Hump Day, Your Sister's Sister, Touchy Feely, Laggies. She's been doing a lot of TV uh, the past couple years, Fresh Off the Boat. She's directed multiple episodes of that. She comes out of that whole Mumblecore, Duplass Brothers sure. era. And... I think this one looks really good. It has to do with a sword that was bequested, and it supposedly is proof the Confederacy really won the Civil War. Oh, now that's going to rile some people. So I think it sounds fun. Uh, I'm that's uh, so that's a little one that's going to be out there. But and the little ones are important to talk about, I think, because they can get swallowed up sometimes, yeah. especially during the summer. And when the next week rolls around, oh, I think the, everything stops for the Lion King. Yeah. Um, is it, I don't even think anybody else is even opening. Nothing think, is nothing's opening. Nothing's opening on the 19th. <laughs> uh, nothing is opening. So that is my birthday present. I get one movie for the weekend for my birthday, The Lion King. King. And I'm sure it will do spectacular oh. business. People are asking me about it now. It doesn't open until July, but since it started kind of peeking out there, people just assume it's coming sooner than it is. And they also assume that we get to see it as soon as little peaks come out. Right. 
We don't get to see these films when little peaks well, start. Apparently coming. one of us has 47 links at home to watch movies and it's yes. not me. But they're not the big tent poles. But that's okay cuz you okay. have it in you to let all your viewers, all your listeners know that there's something they need to be on the lookout yeah. for and I and think that's the power of what you do. Well, that's one over the years, you know, while everybody was mooning and spooning over Daniel Radcliffe and Harry Potter, and, ooh, who's going to fly me here and there to cover the Harry Potter movies? I bided my time, and I sat there, and he did a little film called The December Boys, which was an absolute charmer. And I sat there, and I did a one-on-one -on -one with Daniel Radcliffe talking about The December Boys. And he was probably thrilled to talk about something. He was like so that. excited. And I will always remember that. And he was so happy somebody was getting to know him for something other than Harry Potter. And then he did Equist in London and then on Broadway. Yep. So he really wants to sh spread his wings and yeah. he's continuing to do that. And that's the beauty of these little these little indie gems as I like to call them. July 26th. Well, now, we're already talking at Cannes about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That trailer dropped yesterday. And wow. I really hope I get invited to that one because I've been interviewing Brad Pitt since A River Runs Through It. I, and Leonardo DiCaprio, I don't even remember when. It may have been a set visit to... Growing Pains. Growing Pains. <laughs> that's the first time I met... That's the first time I met Leo. Oh. Was for, was for Growing Pains. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I'm anxious to see this because before it ever started shooting... Um, after a Disney screening, as a matter of fact, in Hollywood at El Capitan, my lawyer and I went over to Musso and Frank's, which plays prominently in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We were the only people in the dining room until Quentin and Al Pacino came in and sat at the table right there next to us. And then Quentin saw me and Al saw me and I've interviewed both of them. And then they started talking to us, and they were there not only celebrating Al's birthday, but to talk about this film. Oh, how cool. So I got to hear a lot of discussion about the film at that time. Very nice. This is one that <laughs> is on my list of must-sees for sure. Oh. The talent in there with DiCaprio and with Al Mar Pacino. Margot Robbie, Bruce Stern, Luke Perry, Dakota Fanning, Timothy Oliphant, James Marsden. And this is, I think, Luke Perry's final screen it's appearance. It's going to be a little bittersweet seeing that because he was such a nice man and such a talent that I'm glad that he had this opportunity. And I know yeah. that before he passed away, he talked about what a big deal it was for him to be a part of it. Yeah. So I think we can kind of celebrate his uh, journey in, in this film when it does come out. Yeah, but we also on the 26th of July as an alternative, Skin. Oh, you were telling me about Skin recently. Skin. This one, it stars Jamie Bell. And, of course, this is a great film to see after you've seen Jamie Bell play Bernie Topin in Rocket Man. <laughs> uh, and he's phenomenal as Bernie. But Skin, this fascinates me. Um, Guy Native is the filmmate, is the director, uh, writer and director. And, of course, after seeing Jamie in Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool, which was... I love that movie. Oh, my. Gloria Grant story. Yep. Oh, my God. That was another... So overlooked. That's one of those movies that, if you haven't seen it, you should see it. Right. And I think they just didn't have the money to promote it the way yeah. it needed to be promoted, because I think that Annette Bening could have won the Oscar for that. Easily. But Skin, I'm really looking forward to that, especially after seeing Jamie in a film that came out last year, Donnybrook, which was a total character shift for him. And now we see another character shift 
with him playing, um, he gets involved with a white supremacist gang in Skin. So I'm I'm really anxious to see this. And he's the main name in this film. Yes. There aren't a lot of other people we necessarily know. So except Vera Farmiga, Vera Farmiga yeah. which we love, and Mary Stuart Masterson yeah. is also in it, and she's another one that we we like seeing on camera. I I really like Mary Stuart Masterson. Okay, let's head into August, Debbie. We've got Dora and the Lost City of Gold opening in August. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, The New Mutants. What else well, is happening? The New Mutants got moved to April of 2020. Well, we're scratching that off my list right now. That got moved with the Disney-Fox merger. So I'm thinking the, peop- the one people want to see is Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Well, what do you think? I'll see anything with Jason Statham. <laughs> anything with Jason Statham. Um, so I'm really anxious to see that one. Um, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Here again, this is going to be August. This is going to be the family film for August. Right, and school's not in session yet, and this is good. Kids get to rule the box office sometimes and during that, the summer. And, you know, you've got a great – you've got Eugenio Derbez. We La- like We love Eugenio. Michael Pena, Eva Longoria. So I'm act- I'm looking forward to Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Very good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. On August 9th, uh, unless my list has changed, and you'll correct me if it has, <laughs> Artemis Fowl, Brian Banks, The Kitchen, and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? I think Artemis may have moved. The Kitchen is still set. The Kitchen I'm curious about because its premise falls, it falls very similar in line to Widows, which was just out and didn't do Did that well, well yeah. at all. This, I think, the kitchen will be helped the fact that the cast is Melissa McCarthy, Elizabeth Moss, and Tiffany Haddish. Except uh, Melissa doesn't necessarily always have a hit. No, she in doesn't. The box office, so. But I'm but hoping she's it so might darn help. Funny, right? Yeah, I think the name recognition will help. It's you know mafia mafia wives who take over their husbands' jobs um, when the the guys get sent to prison, and the women allegedly are more ruthless and meaner than their husbands. Which okay, I believe that part. <laughs> so I'm cur- I'm curious about that. But the one that I'm anxious about for the ninth is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Produced by Guillermo del Toro. Who's a master. Who's a master, directed by Andre Overdahl, who did Troll Hunter back in twenty ten, a Norwegian film, which scary as can be. Well, this one is scary, too. This is scary. They say it's about a group of teens who face their fears in order to save their lives. Well, and it's also based on the beloved book, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And I've got to say, anybody that is thinking of seeing Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark in August, do yourself a favor and check out the documentary that is out right now. It's on VOD on digital platforms. It was in theaters for a week. Scary Stories from director, editor, producer Cody Myrick goes through the entire history of the scary stories to tell in the dark books wow on which is what the narrative film august 9th is based on very good and it will give you so much texture and so much history that i think you'll really appreciate that when you see the narrative film so we get into mid-august and the angry birds are back the Angry Birds. Oh, are back. Uh, you've said enough. I guess I can tell by that that you. you August sixteenth. <laughs> what do you want to see? Look, we should be honest with people that a lot of times August doesn't have the best of the summer movies. That, There's usually a gem or two. What's a gem? Okay, well, two gems for me. One is going to be forty-seven meters down, uncaged from Johannes uh, Roberts. 
I love Johannes. He did the original 47 meters down. And, of course, my pull quotes were on the box, so <laughs> I love it. Of course. Johannes also did The Stranger's Prey at Night that took Bailey Madison into a whole new character shift in that film. Um, what's interesting about 47 meters down and Johannes had already given me some tidbits as to what was going to be happening in it. And I'm sworn to secrecy, but it sounds really good. We're meeting sharks again. We're 47 meters down under the ocean and Sylvester Stallone's daughter, Sistine is in the film. Nice. So Uh, I really want to see, I'm anxious to see this. I want the summer to end with angel. Angel has fallen. I love those movies. Okay. Rick Roman Waugh. Rick is directing this film. Rick, I have known Rick and his brother Scott Waugh for over 35 years. Rick is an amazing director. He has done Felon with Stephen Dorff and Val Kilmer. He did Shot Caller last year, which was amazing. Snitch with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, But what I truly love about all of Rick's films is that there's always a shade of gray somewhere. And with Angel Has Fallen, we have a definite shade of gray because our beloved hero, Secret Service agent and protector, the president, Mike Mike Banning, Banning, played by Gerard Butler, of course, um, is accused of he's being hunted, accused of attempting to assassinate the president who Aaron Eckhart has stepped down. He ran. He had his two terms as the president. Morgan Freeman is now the president. But this movie also has Piper Perabu in it and Lance Reddick. It has Jada Pinkett Smith, yep. Tim Blake Nelson, Nick Nolte. Chris Browning is in it. Chris Browning is a really interesting man. I've had a chance to sit down with him once at a at a picnic and heard his life story. So I'm hoping he does the interviews for this movie so we can delve more into that life. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, and Lance Reddick, of course, I'll see Lance in anything and we can all see him right now in. I just interviewed him for it on the red carpet. He was at the premiere of John Wick three. Yes. He's one of my favorite characters. And since we are going to have a John Wick four on May 21, 2021 oh my gosh you really have an encyclopedic mind i'm just so excited about that already and i really want to see john wick team up with the concierge who is played by lance reddick okay before we wrap up debbie we've gone pretty much through the summer what do you think this summer says what is there a theme to this summer at the movies is it the usual a little bit of this and a little bit of that big action it's a little bit of this a little bit of that um we're really following through of course we don't Avengers Endgame, I think, is going to have legs through the whole summer. It will hit $3 billion globally, I'm sure, before the end of the summer. John Wick, I think, is really going to do well and carry through the summer. We like our recurring characters. We like things that... We that are are familiar to us that feel like they're our friends. The Lion King. Who doesn't like Simba? Who doesn't like hearing James Earl Jones as Mufasa? Okay, <laughs> You're right. You know, let's let's cut to the chase. So we're seeing and Spider Man. We're seeing our our friends. It's a fun summer. It looks like fun it's gonna summer. Be, if you want it to be a little bit of a scary summer. Yeah, the, I'm surprised there aren't more scary films this summer. Wait till October. Uh, you know, lately we've been—they've been missing the boat, though. You know, the, you think about the the past few Halloweens. There haven't been the people, filmmakers, and distributor distributors are not taking advantage of the the chills and thrills that Halloween can be. Right. 
All right, I'm going to get through all of this as people have now, perhaps if they were listening to us driving their kind of home, they're sitting in their car, they can now take out their pencil and write down where to find Debbie Lynn Elias. On Twitter, you'll find her at Movie Shark D. You'll find also her BTL radio, that's Behind the Lens Radio, on Twitter. BTL Radio Show. BTL Radio Show, okay. Uh, you're also on Facebook as Debbie Lynn Elias or Behind the Lens. Right, and then my website is BehindTheLensOnline.net. And on Rotten Tomatoes, we can find you, as, your reviews. My reviews are on Rotten Tomatoes. Anybody wants the interviews, the interviews, you'll find those on my site and other places because I'm syndicated to in print and online around the globe as well. And then if you happen to be in a theater anywhere in Los Angeles, she drives all over to see movies, so you might see this <laughs> redhead <laughs> sitting in a, in a seat near you. So, Debbie, thanks for joining us. You brought a wealth of knowledge to the table today about our summer movie season. I appreciate it. I look to you to always know things that um, are happening in the movie world before most people ever find out about them. And and that's one of your specialties. And I congratulate you for being at the forefront of this. And uh, I hope you had a, a good time doing this because I would like to ask you to come back and in the future I want to talk about some of your gems some movies maybe that that are out there that we don't know about or we should know about or that you'd like to tell us about would you come back of course I will all right you heard it here Debbie Lynn Elias will be back on off the red carpet for now though I'm George Pinocchio thanks for joining us for a really special edition about the summer of 2019 at the box office bye everyone